0: This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. This morning, we'll be continuing the study in Jonah. It's, uh, we'll be looking at Jonah chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. And uh, there is a pew Bible in front of you, if you want to pull that out. Um, Pastor Matt has been doing a great job of sharing some of the background story of Jonah. Um, Jonah was a a well-known prophet, and um, uh, he was very, very proud of his nation, and was all about kind of kingdom-building in his own nation But when God called him to go to another nation, his uh, tune changed. And so instead of going to Nineveh, where God called him, where the Ninevites were known as ruthless, terrible, um, horrible people, uh, Jonah said, no, I'd I'd rather go uh, set sail and go to Tarshish, which would be kind of like going on vacation. So he said, no, I'd rather go there. and then the Lord whipped up a great storm and hurled it at Jonah, and um, the and the ship and the sailors and the sailors are throwing everything overboard and they're praying to their gods and and uh, and kind of all chaos has broken loose, you could say. And this is where we pick up our story this morning. <clears throat> um, the uh, uh, but before we uh, read the story, I just wanted to share a couple words about the title of the sermon this morning it says who are you who 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 so uh do we have any uh 70s rocker fans out there who uh, can relate to that uh so it's um that's the the soundtrack from the who and uh, their title track uh, called who are you and so as i was reading the passage that we're about to read I see that um, the sailors pepper uh, Jonah with a bunch of questions and they're trying to find out who he is. So being born in the 60s and being raised on rock and roll in the 70s, of course, what popped into my mind, that song title. (laughs) Who are you, who, 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 who. So so if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Jonah 7 through 10. who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them the word of God for the people of God. You You may be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, we um, just come before you uh, again with, uh, with heavy hearts, Mixed emotions, Um, glad to be together, um, heavy-hearted for all that's gone on in our city this week. Uh, We just pray that you would use your word and uh, your spirit to encourage us this morning. Um, We know that your word is inerrant and true and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, so we pray that it would pierce our hearts this morning and that we would experience your grace and your mercy anew. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> as I mentioned, the song, <clears throat> Who Are You, was written, it was penned by um, Pete Townsend in the early 70s. And he was transitioning from kind of a hardcore punk rocker into a uh, maybe more of a kind of a mainstream Rocker, and he was going through a bit of an identity crisis, and um, because he had just signed this big deal, and he was gonna just got into this record label, he was gonna make a bunch of money, and he kind of felt like he was selling himself out, and so he was he kind of he had a hard night of drinking and had some interactions with some police officers, and and there comes the lyrics for this song of Who Are You, who 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 who, but but it speaks to uh, the identity crisis that Pete Townsend was going through because he was saying, on one hand, he was saying, I'm this hardcore kind of punk rocker, anti-establishment guy, and then on the other hand, he's saying, well, I just sold out to the establishment, I'm gonna make a bunch of money, and so he was kind of wrestling with who he is. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with Jonah? Well, I think Jonah was a kind of a, a hardcore nationalist. You know, he's all about the Hebrew nation and building the Hebrew nation. And then when God called him to go to Nineveh, he was on the one hand, he was thinking, yeah, I'm all about you, God. And then God says, well, I want you to go to Nineveh where these dastardly people are. And I want you to share my mercy with them. And then he said, mm, not so much. So he, so he was wrestling with this like, who does he say he is versus who, uh, who he actually lived out? What were his actions saying he is? So as we go through the passage this morning, we'll see there's this juxtaposition between what, we, what Jonah says and what he actually does. And I think for us this morning, uh, it's uh, applicable to us in that way. As Christians, You know, we would say, I'd say everybody here this morning, I'm looking around the room would say that I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but we would have, we would have some, I would have additional questions for you, um, such as, um, uh, let's see, um, when we experienced hardship and tragedy this week, you know, uh, did, did you turn to the Lord in prayer or did you turn to some other devices for coping? You know, work, you know, we, we got, I'm sure we have some workaholics in this room, some alcoholics in this room, some, uh, some you know things where we turn our attention to other things to uh, self-medicate, you know this kind of thing. So when we say, uh, "Hey, I'm a Christian and I love the Lord," and in times of good and times of trouble, I turn to the Lord. But what is it that we're actually turning to? And so I think this morning it's a good reminder for us that we want to make sure that in the midst of our pain that we are turning to the right person, to the Lord. Um, so what we really need in the face of these kind of situations is we need to face these situations together and then bring them to the Lord in prayer. So a uh, special thanks to Kelly Leggett for doing that on our behalf this morning. Uh, I thought she did a wonderful job of just bringing all of our concerns and the heaviness of the situation to the Lord in prayer. Um, as we, uh, as we see in the, the first chapter of Jonah, the sailors end up being our role model for dealing with the calamity that is brought to them by the Lord on account of Jonah. So, so we have Jonah, the one who says, like, hey, I follow the Lord. And then we have the sailors who in the previous verses uh, that we didn't read this morning, but in the previous verses, the sailors are the ones who are like, Let's get this stuff overboard. Let's pray, let's get on our knees. You know, hey, Jonah, wake up, pray. You know, so the sailors are the ones that are demonstrating godly behavior. We, we might say they're even more religious than Jonah in a way where they're behaving in a way that shows that they, um, they wanna trust in God. They might not be praying to the right God, the one true God, but they're demonstrating these, these religious characteristics. Also this morning, um, kind of as a a little bit of a sidebar, this passage also reminds us that we don't necessarily know how or why the calamity comes upon us in particular as we've experienced a really hard week here in Memphis. But we don't know, we can't pinpoint, you know, we just don't know the mind of God and why these things are happening exactly. But always the right response is to come to the Lord. So whatever the cause, um, we're in the right place coming to the Lord. We know that there's no uh, rational reason for all the things that have gone on, but uh, we do know that it's heartbreaking, and it's a sign that, um, that there are some things that are fundamentally wrong with our uh, culture right now and with our, and with our human condition, just the, the brokenness of our hearts. So the sailors asked Jonah... Who are you? That's what they peppered him with all those questions. Who are you? So this morning, I want to ask, I want you to ask yourself that question. Who are you? And does who you say you are match your actions? We'll, we will use uh, this part of Jonah's story to remind us who we really are. So, um, So to break down the the text There's um, four verses, but we're going to use four words to help us uh, track through the text. We're just going to walk through each verse. Um, so the four words that we're using are calamity, cross-examination, confession, and Christ. Calamity, cross-examination, confession, and Christ. It's the first word, calamity, in the first verse here it says um, we find th- uh, that the sailors were very concerned about figuring out Who brought this great storm upon them? Some translations call the storm evil, but some call it calamity. So I tend to think that the calamity is better used there as it represents a terrible storm that came from the Lord. And since we know that evil doesn't come from the Lord, then I prefer the term calamity there. Obviously, there's some arguments to be made both ways, but we don't want to get hung up on like, is this evil coming from the Lord. It's like it, if you think of it like we would describe someone say it's a wicked storm. Like it was a bad storm. It's a it's a big deal that the sailors are facing. So what do they do? So they, they resort to casting lots to find out where this calamity came from. So we think of uh, casting lots. What is casting lots? You know we hear that term the uh, soldiers at the foot of Jesus cast lots to determine uh, who got Jesus' clothes. And there's other situations where lots were cast. And so, um, so I think of it, there's one way of thinking of it, like at the beginning of a football game, right, they, they toss a coin. And so who, do you want to receive the ball or do you want to uh, kick off, what, however you want to do it? Um, you know, that sort of thing. So, at the beginning of a sporting event, you have a, a coin toss. It's, sort of ca- it's kind of casting lots, so you get to pick what happens. Uh, the other thing would be like drawing straws. So, uh, maybe back in the day, if any of you have horses, you know, uh, somebody had to muck out the horse stall and uh, you had to draw a straw to see who had to do it. So, whoever got the short straw had to go muck out the stall. So Uh, That was a game of chance, basically like casting lots. So the sailors, they cast lots to find out where did this calamity come from? And it lands on Jonah. And we know, of course, from the story that this is accurate. And we we know that Jonah is currently being disobedient to the Lord. The Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry out against it. But Jonah was not going to have any of that. Of course, he was going to flee from God, or so he thought, and sail away to Tarshish. This, of course, was a futile effort because you can't get away from the presence of the Lord. And now the entire ship was in danger because of Jonah's foolishness. So that's the calamity that we're, we're in. So we're sitting on the boat. There's this great storm, and the sailors are about to cross-examine jonah so we move to cross-examine here so so all the attention's now on the disobedient prophet and and the sailors are about to pepper him with questions these questions aren't like warm fuzzy get to know you type questions like oh so hey it's good to meet you so where are you from you know where you know so do you have children you know let's talk you know it's not warm fuzzy kind of stuff it's like it's like being cross-examined by an attorney in a trial that has to happen in about two minutes. You know, they're just getting, he's getting hammered by these questions. What's your occupation? Where are you from? Where do you live now? What people group are you from? Like they're trying to find out what is going on with Jonah. The sailors riddle him with these questions in the midst of the storm. They're looking for some clues as to the cause of the storm so they might be able to remedy the situation. They aren't exchanging pleasantries with some small talk about his background. The sailors wanna see if they can determine why they are about to be crushed by this storm. But before they can come up with their own ideas, Jonah lays it out for them. Verse, uh, Verse nine, Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So the irony there can't be missed. In this moment, because it is exactly what the author wants the reader, the original audience, and us, they want us to see that God, that Jonah, God's appointed prophet, says that he is a Hebrew and that he fears the Lord, the God of heaven, the one and only God who made the sea and the dry land. So it's like you, want, you kind of want to laugh there in a, in a way. You say, Jonah, the one who is attempting to flee the Lord, says he fears the Lord. Jonah, the one who tries to escape from the Lord on a boat on the sea, says that he fears the one who created the sea and the dry land. Like, do you see the irony there? There's a huge disconnect. If Jonah actually believed and put into practice what he was saying, he wouldn't be in the position at all. He would have obeyed the Lord and gone to Nineveh in the first place. But the author is trying to get his original audience the Jewish people to see that the man who is confessing to fear the Lord Jonah is not actually acting in a way that is consistent with someone who truly fears the Lord but on the other hand it is the sailors who are acting in accordance with the people in accordance with people who believe in God the sailors are actually acting in a more religious way as i mentioned earlier they're quick to pray and quick to turn to their gods for help Previously in Jonah, we read that the sailors were afraid and each prayed to their own God. They even entreated Jonah to pray to his God, but he didn't. And in verse 10, we see that the sailors are very afraid and are shocked at what Jonah has done. They fear the Lord more than Jonah does, even in this situation. And in light of kind of an example of this, where we see in our culture, um, in light of um, the the recent murders this week, the University of Memphis, which is not a Christian university, got together and hosted a prayer gathering on campus. So we see um, we see this desire to come together and pray in times of trouble, even in in the midst of a situation where you have um, people that are you know of different belief systems, and so even on University of Memphis, they recognize like, hey, this is a time where we need to come together and pray. And so they're demonstrating to the world like, hey, we have faith in something and we're praying. And in this situation, they, uh, the sailors are saying, hey, we fear the Lord more than Jonah does in this moment. So it's really, uh, it's really an opportunity for the readers to say, hey, maybe I see myself in that and maybe I should be doing, you know, what the sailors are doing even. I need to be praying to the Lord. So between Jonah and the sailors at this very moment, who do you think is actually fearing the Lord? Who is actually revering the Lord and seeking him and crying out to him? It's not Jonah. So let's investigate his answer to this cross-examination a bit further. If we look at how Jonah answers the questions First, he says that he's a Hebrew, and then secondly, he says he fears the Lord. So Jonah, who is demonstrating his national pride by saying that he is a Hebrew first, and then saying that he fears the Lord, is revealing his skewed allegiance when he says, I'm a Hebrew first. Now, this this may be a little bit of a stretch, but Tim Keller, whom I trust, is a um, Reformed Presbyterian scholar, pastor, church planner. And he did a deep dive on this. And he said that, um, that he believed that, um, that Jonah here in this situation was kind of revealing his national pride and basically saying that I'm, I'm a Hebrew first and then I'm a, a God-fearer second. Now, um, again, this might be a, a bit of a stretch, but it reminds us as Americans that uh, we can be prone to say, like here, sitting at Woodland Presbyterian Church, we could say, uh, if I said, who are you? You might say, well, I'm an American, and I also uh, love Jesus, and go to Woodland Presbyterian Church. So the rub would be then, is if you love America more than you love Jesus, and then God speaks to you and says, oh, by the way, you know, I want you to move to Japan and start churches. And you might say well no way i'm not going to japan like i'm american i'm going to stay here and so there's a rub there when it comes to making sure that we have as christians we need to make sure christ and the lord is first and then our nationality and our national pride come below that now now i realize i'm speaking on september 11th 9 11 which brought out some of the most patriotic times in our country so i'm not diminishing America at all I'm just saying that God is the God over all nations and as his followers we're called to bring his love and mercy wherever God calls us to all nations and so as I mentioned Tim Keller he Tim Keller has a church planning movement where he went to New York and started a church and then he got together with a bunch of other uh, religious uh, Christians and said you know hey you know what the majority of the world's population lives in 50 cities. So if you think about it, there's, in 50 grand cities around the world, the majority of the world's population lives. So he said, how can we reach the world? Well, let's go and start churches in all of these big cities. So one of the cities that they have targeted is Japan. So I actually have a friend of mine from seminary who's, who has part of that movement and he started Churches in Japan. Well, after World War II, if somebody said to you, you know, oh, by the way, I want you to go to Japan and start a church, you know, you'd probably be like, no way, you know, that's not happening. But that, but that's my point is that God calls us to go wherever and we need to make sure that um, it's God first. And, that, and that's what I think is happening with Jonah. We kind of men- mentioned it briefly is that his nationality is, getting in the way he's like I don't want to go to I don't want to go share your love to the Ninevites no way Um, the apostle Paul was a Roman citizen but he didn't stay in Rome right he 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 held on to that citizenship but he used it to his advantage but he he traveled all over the all over the region to different countries as he was able So I think this is what the author is trying to get his reader to see. The the disobedient prophet Jonah has it all wrong. He is rebelling against God's call to go to Nineveh, but the sailors have it right. They are fearing the Lord and willing to pray to him even uh, in order to save themselves and those on the ship. So many of you would say to that argument about going to a great city, maybe um, a great country even, where there's very few Christians. Many of you would say, well, I'm just not called to be a missionary. Well, I would say the clear call from the Lord, there's kind of two mandates, is is, uh, go uh, to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, the Great Commission, there's that one. And then there's the the great um, commandment to love your neighbor, the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets are summarized in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as we contemplate being members of this community this week, we realize that there, in a sense, we might want to shun our allegiance to Memphis, as Memphis has been in the national news for not some good things, right? And we might want to say, well, I don't, I live in Germantown, or I live in Carville, or I live in Millington or, you know, I don't live in Memphis, right? But guess what? Memphis, no matter where we live, if you're in Memphis or near Memphis, we're, Memphians are our neighbors, right? And we're all neighbors. We're And that's, you know, God is clear on that. We are called to love our neighbors. And sometimes that's, sometimes that could be messy. And, um, and, you know, but I think that that's a clear call. So I think for all of us, to, to ask the question, who are you? And to say, you know, I may not be a global missionary, but I'm a missionary right here in Memphis to my neighbors. Um, and uh, shout out to Emily Mosby for being a missionary among her neighbors, right? She's probably got the most neighbors here at Woodland, if you didn't know that already. But, uh, but anyway, my point is that uh, we're all called to this. We, we, we can't escape this and you can't, kind of shrug it off. Well, I'm just not called to be that missionary. We're all called to be missionaries where we are, which, uh, which leads to my, uh, second C is confession. So, so I know for me personally, I've, I haven't done anything that shows that I love my neighbors. Um, and, uh, so I need to confess that. And, um, there have been many ways where I haven't put the Lord first in my life. You know, I, I would uh, just try to stay busy. Let's just stay busy, you know, instead of doing my quiet time and getting on my knees and praying to the Lord. Um, just stay busy. So confession is so important for us to, to grow and move forward out of this moment. And so, um, like in verse 10 of our passage this morning, it says that Jonah confessed to the sailors that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So it begs the question this morning, have you been fleeing from the presence of the Lord? I know this week has been a difficult one for all of us. Uh, We've been dealing with fear, anger, tragedy, sadness, numerous other concerns. On top of, as I spoke to some of you this morning, just on top of a busy week with all that's going on with school and sports and work and just a lot of a lot of pressure going along. So when all this calamity comes upon you, who are you turning to? Who are you? There's a time for confession. Now is a good time to do that while we're here in church just to confess, Lord I'm just I haven't been turning to you and I need to turn to you. I'm scared, Lord I'm scared and I need your support. I need your help turn to the Lord. So who are you? Are you a child of God or are you an orphan who feels all alone? Are you trying to cope with things by trusting in the Lord or are you trying to trust in yourself? I'll tell you this morning, if you are in Christ then you are not alone, and you do have hope. Which leads me to my last point, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. We have hope this morning, brothers and sisters, because we have Hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because he is alive and he is reigning right now in heaven. And Jesus Christ, he is our perfect Jonah that brings salvation and hope to all who believe. As we compare Jonah and Jesus this morning, we see that Jonah was rescued by God. We didn't read that this morning, but you know the story, right? Three days in the belly of the whale, he gets rescued and he gets spit up on the shore. Jonah is rescued by God and used by God to bring salvation to the Ninevites. And this in part was to spur God's people, the Hebrews. So you think about the original audience of the reader of Hebrews, the original audience. God was trying to get his people to repent and turn to the Lord. And so he's using Jonah to do this. So in a greater, even greater way, Jesus would spend three days in a borrowed tomb. And then after his resurrection, um, God, after his resurrection, because God rescued him out of the tomb. He would bring salvation to all who would believe. He would bring salvation to all nations. And this is still, um, this is still with the hope that um, God's chosen people, the Hebrews, would still repent and come to him. But God has opened up the floodgates of his salvation to all cities, to all people, to all nations. So Jonah begrudgingly went to Nineveh and they repented and they came to the Lord. Jesus willingly goes to the cross, sacrifices his life, pours himself out for us and he uh, does that in order to invite all nations into the right relationship with God. Jesus is our greater Jonah, who brings salvation, the one who brings light into darkness. As we recognize uh, that Jesus got it right, we can trust Jesus more deeply every day, and we can turn to the Lord with a sure hope that he will receive us in Christ. So this week, as we continue to walk through this time of pain and sorrow, I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord, seek his face, and don't turn to your own devices. So uh, as we um, get ready to head out this morning, I want to uh, remind you that there is a potluck, and the purpose of the potluck is to fellowship and be together in community, but also to encourage you to get connected uh, with, the, with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're uh, launching our fall Christian ed. Uh, there's going to be Sunday school classes for adults and children. We're also having Sunday night opportunities for uh, men to get together, for women to get together, for couples to get together. Uh, the point is to get together around the word of God and to encourage and strengthen us. And I think we need that more and more. So I would encourage you to participate in that. And then I just want to conclude with the question of of who who are you? Who are you? As as Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend would say, who are you? And in conclusion, um, I want to just point out there's a third verse to that song, which I didn't really realize until I looked it up. But on the radio, they play a version of the song that doesn't include the third verse. But the third verse includes these lines. It says, I know there's a place you walked where love falls from the trees. My heart is like a broken cup. I only feel right on my knees. And it goes on. But my point is that Pete Townsend, a hard-drinking, partying rock star got it right in a sense right that he wanted to walk in a place where love falls from the trees and he only felt right when he was on his knees and as we think about Jesus Christ who poured himself out on a tree on a cross for you and me it only feels right for us to be on our knees before him let's pray Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, Maturing God's People to Serve a Hurting World. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.